Jenny Green. Weekdays from 3 on 2FM. The sound of the nation. Now, I've been looking forward to this all weekend. It is time for us to check in with Gavin Cooney. And it looks as if the first week in January has already delivered the biggest story in sport for the year. Um, where are we on Novak at the moment? <laughs> oh, my God. So I was on with Eugenie six days ago and I mentioned it was just a few hours before I came on air that Djokovic had been gra- said he'd been granted a medical exemption to compete at the Australian Open. He added as a kind of a nice cheery postscript to his Happy New Year uh, Instagram message. Happy New Year. Oh, by the way, I'm going to the Australian Open with a med- medical exemption. And my prediction, uh, because I'm a good, uh, obviously, a dab-handed sporting predictions, mm. was that this would cause some controversy, or at least some kind of public debate. Oh, it's an boy. understatement. <laughs> I understate that. What a roiling six days we've had. Where we are at the moment is that Novak Djokovic won his appeal against the Australian government, has been allowed to enter the country, and as it stands, will be competing at the Australian Open next week. What do you think it was about this story that really got to people? Because I feel like now I look, I'm no legal expert on these matters, but I feel like he would have got in had he not bragged about it in the Instagram post on the way (laughs) over before he got on the flight. That's I mean, I think that's percept. (laughs) I think that's a perceptive call. What got people about this? Well, firstly, it's Djokovic. You know, we've talked about it multiple times in the show. He's a you know, he's a PR disaster, especially when it comes to COVID. He's showing a complete disregard for rules around social distancing and so on at the Adria tour he's he's expanded he's expanded some very dodgy views on vaccines he, he walked that back and say he's, he's merely against vaccine um, uh, mandates rather than vaccines themselves and but it's particularly it's a particularly sensitive topic for the people of Melbourne in Australia because they have undergone one of the strictest lockdowns in the Western world they spent you know 200 more than 200 days in kind of very very extreme lockdown as part of their zero COVID strategy so that that all uh, came together and Djokovic would because there was a lot of anger in Australia uh, towards you know politicians as well because of various elements of the handling of the omicron surge you know like I mean there were, uh, like lack of testing etc cetera, etc cetera. and then the politicians helped to divert all that anger toward the figure of Novak Djokovic and then it all kicked off this week i mean the, it's kind of you know it's it's is like most people are just kind of laughing at novak djokovic really but it is kind of a a complex enough story in the sense that you know 6 days ago uh, we were all of the understanding that djokovic had got his exemption he's not double vaccinated but he's not vaccinated at all and you're meant to be vaccinated to be playing at the australian open but he was given a medical exemption to get into the country as it turns out that exemption was based off the fact that he had already got covid he got it on december 16th now, the tennis authorities, so Tennis Australia, who organise the tournament and the state of Victoria in which the tournament is held, they okayed that visa. But the border police, uh, who are a federal body, said, no, you can't get in here with uh, ba- uh, with an exemption based off a of prior COVID infection. So then that all kicked off. And, he went and then to there a- seems to be some issue about the date that he allegedly had COVID because that was December 16th and the following day he's photographed out wearing no mask with a group of kids in a tennis academy and shaking hands. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and, and he, he gave an interview then to Lakeep with it, wearing a mask a couple of days later. Like he was at this public event uh, like Serbia were launching and like a stamp in his honour. <laughs> I mean, what a way of securing your legacy. It's not really the stamp in your own country. It's the sign that you've got a positive PCR test and you're out and about with no mask with kids a day later. You know, a man, like in fairness, the man is a menace to public health in Serbia. So I don't know whether, well, I can understand why they're all rolling behind him. 
So uh, as it stands, yeah, Djokovic is uh, at the moment going to compete at the Australian Open. There is, you know, there, I mean, the Australian government do have kind of a second serve on this, as it were, because the immigration minister in Australia, his name is Alex Hawke, he has the personal power to revoke the visa under grounds of public health. So he can personally unilaterally decide to revoke Djokovic's visa and send him back. So it's quite literally been referred to Hawke's eye. We're going to have to wait and see. Watch this space. Uh, now, elsewhere, away from Novak's land, football club Chester FC were involved in their own controversy over precisely which country their stadium is in. I do like this, I have to say. Uh, so Chester uh, is an English city. It's on the border between England and Wales uh, to the point that Chester FC stadium is split by the border. So the pitch uh, is in Wales, but the stadium's ticket office is in England. Uh, Chester uh, play their uh, fo- their football league games in English leagues as well. Now, this is relevant uh, because at the moment there are differing crowd restrictions in England and Wales. So it's, you know, no limits at all on attendance at football matches in England. It's just like plow on as normal, lads. But in Wales, games are effectively behind closed doors. Attendance is limited to 50 people, and that includes players and officials. So, uh, you know, no fans getting in. So despite the fact that Chester is an English city and Chester FC competes in the English non-league, it has been ruled that their stadium is in Wales. Uh, they've played a couple of games with people in uh, in the stands, although the, um, the regulations say because the stadium is in Wales, it should have been empty. So they now have to proceed. They're playing Brackley Town next weekend, as I'm sure you're aware, Jen. Um, you know I am. Not... I, have, I have the jersey ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and at the moment, they're not allowed to have anyone in the stadium. So the, the fans can gather in the car park outside and they're not breaking any rules. But if they go into the stadium, they are breaking the rules. Could they put up a big screen for them? I'm sure they can. I mean, if Chester FC have have the financial might in the English non-league to erect a big screen right outside their own stadium for this single match, got more power to them. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's, it. Was always a good kind of um, quiz question, like which English, which uh, which football club, which British football club has a pitch spanning two countries. But it's actually kind of uh, been quite news already this week. Well, I won't forget it now if, I, if I'm ever lucky enough to get the question. Uh, I love our next story. Shamrock Rovers defender uh, Roberto Lopez has given us all a warning. Um, don't ignore any of your LinkedIn messages. This was an important one he missed. I know. And like, you can't really blame him for miss- missing them because I don't think I've ever got a consequential message on LinkedIn. I do kind of half-heartedly maintain a LinkedIn page for all that it's worth. And I've never got anything of interest. But Roberto Lopez, born in Dublin, certainly did. He is currently in Cameroon, competing against some of the world's top footballers at the Africa Cup of Nations for Cape Verde. So Lopez was born and raised in Dublin, but he qualifies for Cape Verde via his father. It had never crossed his mind that he might go on and play for them until the Cape Verde national team heard about his potential eligibility a few years ago. So Rui Aguas was the manager then. He slid into his LinkedIn DMs uh, to ask Roberto Lopez if he had any interest in playing for the mighty Cape Verde. It was in Portuguese, the message, which Lopez didn't speak at the time. So he ignored it until nine months later, um, persistence paying off when the same the same guy, Aguas, sent a follow-up message in English asking, here, Roberto, would you like to play for Cape Verde? So when he realised the opportunity that was at hand, Lopez jumped at it, and now he's, he's partly representing Ireland in the League of Ireland at the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon. And Jenny, it has started well. Cape Verde won their opening game yesterday, 1-0 against Ethiopia in one of the worst football matches I have ever watched. But a victory. <laughs> 
I feel like I, I need to get myself a LinkedIn page now, just in case. Just keep the options open, Gavin, you know? Oh, you're such a success already, Jenny. There's nowhere else for you to go, you know? I like, could, what there, more networking? What more networking? There could be no, a message there for me, Oscar that I've missed saying TG Cahar are looking for your services. Uh, now, finally, some COVID-related farce in Italy. Tell us about this. Yeah, well, we're well aware that the English Premier League have been dealing with COVID outbreaks by just postponing several games en masse. In Syria, they have been dealing, uh, Syria and Italy, they have been dealing with things slightly differently. Uh, so Inter Milan played Bologna last week. They went through the usual pre-match routine Inter, so they tugged out, they did their warm-up, the fans were filing into the stadium, the officials did a check on the pitch. But there was one missing thing, the Bologna team. They didn't turn up and they were never going to turn up because they had a COVID outbreak in their squad. Local uh, healthcare authorities advise, or pretty much forced them to go into quarantine for seven days. But Serie A refused to cancel matches. So Inter had to turn up to fulfil the fixture as it, um, as it were. <laughs> and as a result, they're being awarded a 3-0 win and the three points. Bologna may yet be docked a point for not turning up, which seems absolutely crazy. Uh, Serie A tried to do it last year with Juventus and Napoli, and Napoli successfully appealed and the game was replayed. So you'd imagine that will happen in this instance as well. <laughs> Listen, on that note, uh, Gavin Cooney, a pleasure as always. I will let you get back to uh, Djokovic gate and uh, we'll be raring to go for you again next week. Look, anything could happen between this and then. We've a week Genuinely, genuinely anything can happen. You know, like this, I mean, this slot for a while has just been effectively Novak Djokovic <laughs> weekly. But just to the rest of the international media covering him in such depth now, we got there first. We there were you go. We were covering this guy before the rest. I'm giving you that one. Back of the mat. Gavin Cooney, <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, bud. Here we go. Jenny Green, weekdays from three on 2FM. The sound of the nation. The nation.